Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to yet another episode of the BTP podcast. Joined as always with Daniel Mulligan. How's it going, my man? What's up, my man, buddy? Good to be here with you for yet another BTP podcast. As you said yourself, pretty cool stuff. I liked it. So overall, I'm glad to be here with you, man. Life is wonderful and we're uh, gradually getting back on track in almost every area of life. And good news pretty much is starting to pile up after almost a year of nothing but bad news. So life is great. And I'm so glad to be here with you and to see how, hopefully if, if things are also fine on your end. So, man, how are things with you in Canada? That is just great to hear. And here uh, things are progressing very well, as, uh, as well as you said. Uh, we're we're uh, making you know some some improvements in our quality of life and uh, things that are uh, you know opening up uh, uh, at a at a large level, but in a, in a on a wow. personal level as well. We're trying our best, you know, uh, moving forward, creating fun content, hopefully very soon for this po- very podcast, as you well know. Awesome, very yeah. nice, man. Glad to hear things are fine and glad things are opening up. Uh, over there as well so i'm very happy to hear things are fine man that's it that is good to hear that is good to hear exactly um and today we're going to talk about a specific topic that has nothing to do with pandemic well you can always relate everything to pandemic i suppose but uh, (laughs) inherently not related to pandemic Um, that's right uh yeah so so what we're going to talk about why people have different attitudes towards life and how they're living their lives um, as we know, some, some people have a more, more of a positive outlook, optimistic outlook, pessimistic outlook, realistic outlook, outlook, etc. So I why see. is it, what makes people have the, is it their, so my, uh, immediate, you know, hunch was maybe it's their life experience that leads them to mm. adopt a particular outlook towards life. But what, what are your, uh, perspective on the matter? Very a good question, by the way, Pujik and Thanks for choosing another great topic for this uh, show today. Right. Uh, as you pointed out, of course, what you mentioned in the field of psychology is referred to as nurture. But at the same time, as you probably uh, have heard, it, when it comes to behavioral therapy, basically, let's say cognitive behavioral therapy, for example, CBT, it is actually talked about the issue of nature versus nurture. You see, Pujik, we cannot necessarily ignore uh, the influence that our biology, uh, genetics, and DNA plays in the way we actually feel about everything. For example, something as little, something as little as how many dopamine receptors are by nature in your brain upon birth is going to literally tilt your entire life to a whole different direction. For instance, let's assume that you were born with a lot of dopamine receptors in your brain, just by nature, just like your mom or your dad or your cousin or whatever it is. And then another guy in the same family is born with very little dopamine receptors. These two people are going to have completely different lives, aspirations, dreams, and so on. So when it comes to behavior and what truly differentiates behavior, we uh, generally focus on two main types of hormones that the brain like to actually uh, basically be in touch with on a regular basis based upon its you know, receptors. We call it the dopamine or uh, basically dopaminergic types of personality. And then we have the here and now types of hormone also called HNN types of hormones. For example, we all know that a person in our family or among our friends who is always looking to achieve something. 
maybe he or she tends to be a bit more hyper energetic, likes to play with abstract ideas, likes to be creative. And unfortunately, in many cases, he or she might be a little bit too promiscuous. Let's just say that. Always looking for that next rush, the next achievement, the next thing. We call such personality types basically more dopaminergic type personalities. It's really a matter of biology. Because if you want that person to be like normal and just enjoy life and just enjoy the moment, then that brain cannot receive as much stimulation and pleasure. And the brain is designed to look for more pleasure and less pain, which means that person simply after a while quits doing all that cool things and goes back to doing, you know, pumping up the dopamine, if you will. And that often happens by novelty seeking, achieving goals and so on. On the other hand, we have those whose bodies are usually less uh, basically energetic in general. They tend to, their uh, natural level of basically metabolism is lower. And they oftentimes tend to enjoy H and N here and now types of hormones that are released in body. Think, for example, oxytocin. Uh, think, uh, for example, uh, let's say, I don't know, different pleasure hormones that the, that the brain produces, for example. Uh, all of these pe people are going to have a very different lifestyle. So I made you all these uh, basically uh, fancy little uh, introduction here because I wanted you to know that in reality, we have to focus on determining both nature and nurture factors. The second one that you actually mentioned yourself earlier was their lifestyles. So if you are born in an environment riddled with uncertainty and uh, threat, let's say you were born, for example, in a very difficult, uh, basically, uh, you know, neighborhood, uh, let's say in, uh, in the Bronx, or maybe in a very, uh, perhaps uh, challenging, uh, basically, country in the world, you tend to grow up feeling a great deal of fear. And that fear that you felt growing up at an early age is definitely going to affect your life. If you want to know more about this, I highly recommend the latest book by Oprah Winfrey and basically uh, her a number one psych a psychotherapist called What uh, Happened to You. You see, in that book, uh, Oprah and the psychiatrist talk about this issue in depth. And they say that what happened to you, especially in the early years of your life, uh, the primitive years up to uh, the age seven, are going to play a major role in your life. One instance, if you grew up in a family and you were received complete emotional support until the age of seven, and then your life went into, you know, basically the dumps and you experienced lots of problems for the entirety of your childhood until you left the family at the age of 20, you actually will have a far happier and more mentally stable life than someone who actually had a very turbulent early four to five years and then had a very normal, uh, great, stable life. Can you imagine how those early years are going to affect us? Even if uh, you, you put this little kid and you deprive this child of, for example, enough parental care, that person for the first four or five years of his or her life is going to suffer. And then you give the best life, the best education, the most supportive parents to him or her. It's not going to make a huge difference in most research, actually. Of course, if you want to learn more, I recommend you read the book uh, to the end. It's a very great book. On the other hand, you have those who had a very good early few years and their parents die and they're stuck in a war zone or whatever it is. And these guys often actually end up becoming very successful and happy because the early conditioning emotionally was actually very positive. So both of these factors are important. Your nature, your genetics are important. And of course, nurture the way you uh, were brought up, your experiences in life where you, I don't know, heartbroken at the age of 12 when you were, your hormones were, you know, really surging. And then you thought that all uh, men or women are just evils. And you just said, from now on, I'm never going to date someone, or maybe you had a couple of great first relationships. And from then on, you never felt that you have to call every man or woman, I don't know, such an evil person, right? So both factors are important. Both are going to make sure that we 
uh, find and see the world very, very differently. Uh, amazing. And I, I suppose there's uh, not a lot you can do about the, the inherited genetic aspect of it. Um, but there not are... yet, my man. Not, just wait not... for the genetic <laughs> modification. You know, Just wait for 2050, man. We're going to modify all those shitty genes out. Literally, just like we do a lot of things. Like, if you don't like your genes, just change it, man. No problem. <laughs> but, of course, as of now, we're talking about beyond the present, right? So you're going to have to wait at least a couple of decades for that to become yeah. uh, available and then to be, to be made commercially available and then to become legal. It's going to take a while, but hopefully we'll have that too. Exactly. And, well, that's uh, the black market is going to be interesting as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, no, but 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 currently, as you mentioned, uh, that's that's your only avenue is to tamper with the, uh, the uh, well, environments, obviously, uh, part of why parents have such an emphasis on, you know, uh, trying to provide uh, positive experiences for their children. And I'm not just saying happy experiences. I'm just saying positive in terms of uh, improving their lifestyle and, you know, future um outlook towards life so now let's let's take it take it take it apart uh, because there's a lot here but uh super quickly so um what would you so i'm gonna uh, posit the questions to you and then you can pick orders in which you want to answer them sure. but, uh, what what would you advise um a parent do to their for their children growing up uh, to you know um to to provide a more positive experience for the children. Uh, and probably prior to that, I think this would make more sense, order of questions, uh, answers at least to me, that is, okay, what is the outlook of life that one should choose? Maybe that just not just one, but there's definitely a utility differential between the two or various outlooks in terms of how you're looking at life. If you're too pessimistic, I don't think that has too much utility because you just give up on life. <laughs> So, so what are you, so first of all, what are the different outlooks, like a very few, um, very popular ones that uh, you see good or bad, and maybe two you can compare, and then what can you do at this age, wherever you are in your life, and what can you do for your children uh, growing up with a better experience? By the way, uh, you said something, you know, about, uh, uh, for example, pessimists being uh, not useful for anything. I want to say that I want to uh, right now here just uh, quote one of the major basic assumptions of NLP, and that is you uh, must respect every uh, basically map of reality and know that there is no such thing as a superior or inferior map of reality. Mm -hmm. Whether uh, someone is a, for example, an ISIS terrorist, uh, a firefighter, a scientist, uh, for example, uh, an entrepreneur or a politician, it doesn't really matter whether their belief systems, in our opinion, are false or true. All beliefs are just that, beliefs. All maps of reality are just that, maps of reality. If you're holding the map of New York City in your hand, you're not on the Fifth Avenue. You're not going to basically see uh, the Union Square. You're not going to see any of these things. It's not, in your, uh, it's not in the real world. It's just in your hand. You have the map, right? For the same token, the map is not the reality. And number one and number two, there are no such things as good or bad you know, outlooks on life. You mentioned uh, a pessimist. If I am going to, for, for example, if I want to, you know, uh, create and manufacture uh, new types of mm -hmm. renewable energy, and I need uh, certain teams of engineers to fully inspect um, these devices, let's say these new solar panels that are going to generate electricity without generating any uh, CO2 emission, I want my engineers who are doing the final test to be hardcore pessimists. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to put myself. If I put someone like me in the position of checking, I don't know, let's say quality control in the company or in the, uh, let's say, factory, 
I'm sure that I'm going to go out of business because if you give it to me, it's like, man, it looks fine by me. It doesn't work. It doesn't matter. Just push a little bit harder, man. It's going to work out. Come on. Just, just press <laughs> a little bit, right? No, because course, I'm yeah. an optimist. As an optimist, I will be a horrible quality control manager because I simply just see the big picture and I think like everything's going to work out. It's like, dude, mm-hmm. this thing does not generate any electricity. It's like, just come on, man. Believe in yourself. It's going to be possible. Just, just hope. Hope that there's going to be, for example, some electricity down the line, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to be, as an optimist, good as a quality control. I want a pessimist who finds everything uh, that everything you know wrong, ever wrong, and pretty much everything that he or she sees, right? Mm-hmm. So every outlook on life could have a use. Sometimes the use is harmful, sometimes it is useful, but in the end, all outlooks. I tend to be, uh, you know, one of those, as you probably know, I'm a positivity only type of person, but that's because of my position in life, because in my life, and uh, because of, you know, my position, I need to be an optimist. Otherwise, uh, not only me, but all those people who rely on me will actually falter because it's my job to keep things pushing forward when everybody loses hope. For that reason, I have to be an optimist. So if you put a pessimist in the leadership position, the same factory is going to go bankrupt again because there's one month of no sales. Like, oh, it's all bullshit. I knew it was a bad idea. I had to get a job. I, I, I'm so terrible. Why don't I listen to my daddy? So mm-hmm. for that reason, all outlooks on life, in my opinion, are useful. Now, sometimes the usages are malignant. Let's think of that ISIS terrorist who, I don't know, chops people's head off on, on the internet, basically, right? That person, in his world, he thinks he's doing the right thing. But in fact, he's wrong because he simply is, uh, his you know, values in life are contradictory with the very way we live in the modern world. So that person needs to correct it. But so long as the person basically is not harming other people, Generally, it could be just very creative. I mean, think about most, uh, you know, uh, for example, rappers. Most of the you know, songs they produce are complete garbage. But to me, they're garbage. Maybe for somebody else, it actually gives them hope for the future, right? For that reason, I believe that we should respect all atlas in life. I personally tend to uh, basically believe in that uh, because I believe that if you want to have, you know, a very effective, efficient world, we need people of all backgrounds, for sure. including pessimists, including lazy people. Uh, Bill Gates said, I always hire lazy people because they find the shortcuts. You see, mm-hmm. I mean, think about the virtue of being hardworking. I like to think of myself as hardworking, but boy, never, ever give that, you know, your job. And if you want a creative, you know, technology to be innovated, don't give that job to Daniel. Give it to, you know, a lazy pessimist. He's going to do a much better job than I do. So uh, for that reason, we have to know that this is the case. There is no such thing as a bad outlook on life. However, what I define is there's we, we have efficient outlooks on life and inefficient. So mm-hmm. if your outlook on life makes you constantly angry and depressed, this is very inefficient because you're harming your body. And for that reason, you should look at your life. Are you happy with the way things are in your life? Are you getting your needs met? Are you helping? And ideally, are you a productive member of the society? D- does your life really make other people's lives a little bit better or at least touches them a little bit, right? If so, you're good. However, if you feel like your outlook is making you feel depressed, negative, alone, unhappy, then obviously you need to go through the process of re-examining all your beliefs and values and changing it. And only then you can actually change your life. But then again, at the same time, as I mentioned earlier, the nature and the nurture. So part of that always goes back to your body and your biology. But don't, don't worry. We're not talking about you know genetic engineering just yet. What we're talking about is taking care of the little things in your life that really matter basically for your health, for your well-being. Once you combine these two things, you realize that you can actually change your life for the better. However, just because you're different than other people, it doesn't mean that you're a you know, bad person. 
If you feel like you're not happy with it, though, that's a different story altogether. Yeah, now that, that makes a lot of sense. And thank you for like, clarifying. Actually, that, that is what I meant. I probably uh, didn't, uh, uh, you know, um, express it well um, in terms of its efficiency rather than uh, wrong or right. I don't I don't pre- pretend that wrong or right is a thing. But uh, also, so, um, so, so also, I mean, generally speaking, we have this general mindset and outlook towards life. But there's also, as you mentioned, uh, utility to... Uh, certain situations dynamically to a degree shifting your focus from uh, being perhaps a little bit more pessimist or less optimist uh, mm-hmm. or the other way around to, uh, you know, uh, to account for things that are not accounted for by a s- different outlook. Now, again, I, 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 again, there's a degree of rigidity uh, built in, but there's also a degree of freedom to shift uh, your uh, your point of view accordingly to according to the task at hand now uh, so and so this is what i'm going to again uh, ask you to elaborate on and also um uh, you know do you have a preference in terms of um uh, youth development uh, the experiences that they should have for various kinds of outlook that could be beneficial to them and how can you identify which one will be more beneficial to one person versus the other Very well, good point. Uh, First of all, I think that at a very young age, uh, I am currently not a father, although I do have the uh, interest in uh, basically parenting and being a father someday, but currently I am not a father. So my advice might not necessarily be the most uh, reliable advice Mm -hmm. because it'll be purely from a theoretical perspective. Uh, I do not have the experience firsthand. However, I've done you know, a, a slight amount of research in this regard because of, you know, pure, just a sheer interest in, the, in this field, right. uh, because I believe that it's very important. And ultimately, I think that the first thing that we should be doing in this regard is knowing that every person who is born in this world is unique in, in some way. I really despise the old fashioned uh, manner of putting all uh, basically students to go through the same uh, educational experience. And that's just extremely, extremely uh, basically uh, passe and uh, not the right way to do uh, things in the modern world. For that reason, the first thing I would do, I think someone should know at a very young age are number one, their inherent talent. You see, every one of us, I believe firmly that every one of us is a genius at something. Now, the word genius mm-hmm. is officially described as having someone, uh, somebody, an IQ of 140 or more. But then again, that's a very flawed definition of genius because genius isn't just about IQ. There are many different types of intelligences that are simply not measurable by the IQ uh, tests, right? So what I mean by genius, I mean someone with a very high degree of basically natural aptitude for certain activities. And we have different types, of course, musical being one, kinesthetic being the other, uh, visuals and spatial being the other one, interpersonal, intrapersonal. Obviously, we have the IQ, which is primarily measured by mathematics as well as linguistic uh, abilities. So these are all different types of intelligences. So I think the first element that a, a child or a young person should focus on is what are the things I'm a genius at? And I think people should really ask the question, you know, use the word genius here, because if they don't use something else, they will not find a clear answer. And every single one of us is really good at something. Maybe have a great sense of the texture of the food, which could probably show a great pathway towards, you know, uh, being a chef in the future. Or maybe you really feel a sense of rhythm in the, in the noise and the sound around you. A great sign it could be a good musician or an artist or a singer. 
And maybe you really are great at your, uh, manipulating your body language, a great pathway towards things like acting, performance, or politics. So these are all things we have to consider uh, when we uh, want to make plans for our lives. After knowing our uh, you know, talents, we should then focus on values. Values are the things that are important to you. You see, Pujiks, there are things in your life that are very important to you that maybe people around you don't really uh, understand, and vice versa. There are things that others say, like, man, I really care about this. Like, but dude, why? So values are very personal. Uh, maybe somebody really values uh, novelty, while somebody else really values loyalty. Maybe somebody values, for example, uh, wealth and power, while somebody else values contribution and uh, discovery. So finding your value through the questions, why? Uh, you basically have to ask the question, why, three times. For example, I want to create a new technology. Why? Because that technology is going to uh, basically change the world. Why? Because that allows me to contribute. So contribution right now is one of your values. Somebody else might answer the same question differently. Like, I want to create new technology. Why? Because that's going to make me a lot of money. Why? Because that's going to make me feel powerful. So now power for this person is a value and not uh, contribution as it was for the previous person. So by finding your values in life, of course, these questions probably will take some time. I don't think that a teenager will really answer these questions probably well, because at that age, even the brain is being developed. And I heard that until the age of 25, the brain is not yet fully uh, shaped. This means that these questions probably are better asked later in life, around the age of 22, 23, and ideally answered before the age of 30 to allow the person to make good decisions. That's why we see so many people you know, go to college and they change major four times and the parents get upset. Of course, this guy is 21. What do you want? You want to just choose the right major right away? Now, some do it. Many will tolerate a bad major for their parents and then later, you know, change their careers later on. But you can't expect a 19 or a 20-year-old to make a perfect decision about their future. That is why I think these questions should not be just asked by the younger generation, but from all of us from any age that we are, especially, at, uh, you know, the, the, the um, you know, adults as well, because that allows us to know what are truly our values. I know most of my friends, uh, I can remember now think of almost, uh, half of my friends who changed major literally three times, three times. That's quite normal. Now, their parents are like, but that's going to mean a lot of you know, tuition fee. God damn it. Just make up your mind, Tommy. But in reality, the person is discovering himself and his values or her values, right? And finally, after knowing basically your talents and your values, the last one is how can I properly use this to have an efficient life? And again, from my point of view, a good life is defined by a life that makes you happy and at the same time allows you to make others happy a little bit as well. So a bit of contribution uh, should be always one of our North Stars. Will this make the world a better place or will it actually hurt other people? Will this serve others or not? These are, you know, other good questions. But ultimately, these processes are uh, very complex, which is why I don't think that a child or a teenager will be able to actually, they, they can definitely ask these questions, but they might not be able to find the answers until uh, much later in life, maybe in their uh, late 20s or even late 30s sometimes. So for that reason, we should not rush through these, but just simply asking these types of questions from, you know, from the young generation will probably be a lot more efficient than just you know, asking, okay, where's the capital of this country you will never ever visit? I think that's gonna be a lot better if you approach education from this point of view. That's fascinating. That actually makes a lot of sense. I, I, I think uh, you, and, and, Sometimes uh, the, the undiscovered interest in some uh, young person is due to actually the bad education because they, they grow up thinking um, they don't uh, appreciate the field. But the reality is they're not really they don't really know what the field is actually about. 
I thought that is a true story about my personal experience. So uh, I guess at least there's one, uh, you know, uh, proof of concept here. Would you um, do just a you know quick preview? I'm actually curious. We don't have, of course, time for a full explanation, but just very yeah. briefly, how you went through this. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, so as you know, my, um, my majors are physics, astrophysics, and mathematics, and I grew up hating. I, I always loved physics. That, that was true, but I always hated math. And I mean, obviously, I without can't math, imagine that it, that yeah. somebody who hated math is now a math expert. <laughs> Yeah. So, so that, that's actually, and, and I couldn't do physics without math. So that kind of pushed me to actually look at it again and try to wrestle with it. But then, then I, then through that, I actually had an opportunity to understand uh, what is mathematics at a, at a, at a not such a superficial level, but at a, at a deeper level. And then, um, you know, it, it, it changed my whole outlook towards this thing, this wow. and talking about outlooks about things <laughs> and not just life, but yeah. So I, I really never liked math and I, I wasn't even particularly bad at it. I was okay at it. I was, uh, not bad, not good, but I never liked it. Um, but then again, it, 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 it just all, all changed. Uh, when I got Let me to ask you at which age you finally got it. Yes. Like I'm, 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 I'm good at this. I should focus on this. I think it was uh, around 25, four, not 40, but probably 25 or maybe even 26. I'm not too sure. So it was not really around uh, your teen years, right? It no, actually no, took you absolutely. some time to figure it out. That was the height of me hating it in <laughs> the teen years. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, no, you definitely. Took... You could hate it at, you know, when you're a teen and then uh, love it when you're 25. And that happens to a lot of people, not just in, field, you know, in your field of math and astrophysics, but like anyone that I know, I know people who yeah. hated, you know, let's say blood and now they're top surgeons. And I know mm. those who thought they loved science and are top entrepreneurs and business people. And they don't they even can't stand the side of a university. So it yeah. all really depends on how your brain fully forms itself, again, the nature side, and then mm. your life experience that you go through, all of these are going to play a huge, you know, huge and major role in the way you shape your values and your behavior and your outlook on life. That is up. That actually makes a lot of sense, and I think um, I think there's a value to revisiting past experience. Um, no, rather past subjects, I suppose, or areas I uh, of interest, and with an open mind. That's the important part because when you're revisiting it, if it's with a closed mind, then you're going to judge it based on your past experience, not the new experience. Um, so that's I think it's a very valid point. Okay, so we're coming to the end of the show here, and I'm 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 going to allow you this time to either, uh, you know, if we didn't mention something that you wanted to talk about, you can elaborate on that or sum up the whole conversation. Very well. First of all, great topic as always, Pujix. And today we discussed Thank you. how do we uh, come to be who we are? And we discussed behavior, outlook on life, as well as value systems. And we talked about the importance of nature versus na uh, nurture. Uh, we realized that, yes, the things we go through in life are very important, but that's not all that matters. Even if you go through a very good childhood, but if you have certain, a certain biology that makes you sensational seeker, you might suffer from you know, drug abuse later in life, even if you have been you know, growing up in a family of two PhD parents and a very uh, you know, basically uh, safe and uh, loving environment. On the other hand, you could bring somebody else who was you know, uh, basically raised in the worst of worst situations with uh, uh, you know, abusive parents or even absent pa parents and you see the same person might actually end up, you know, making a major contribution to the world because of their, you know, emotional wiring and their background. So uh, we talked about how these two factors are going to play a role. And more importantly, we discussed the importance of 
self, uh, basically analysis to understand what we are, what we want in life and how we should actually go get it. And we uh, discussed the fact that this might not necessarily be done by the time you're 18 years old, even though the world assumes you to be an adult by the age of 18, neuroscience proves that true adulthood really kicks in a lot later, uh, around uh, late 20s, actually, for most people. Uh, so uh, while legally you're an adult when you're 18, the chances are you're still mentally growing and you have to give yourself some time and avoid making the kind of decisions that might perhaps be regrettable. Having a tattoo included, just be careful guys. And please stay away from butterflies or teddy bears. Just don't do it, man, seriously, come on. And other than that, of course, you have to focus your attention on the future and know that you can uh, gradually in life change yourself through, that's why uh, this podcast is uh, basically, you know, categorizes personal development because we believe in it, because we know that it works and we have seen it uh, in action. So it doesn't matter. He's like, but man, you just, you just broke my heart. Uh, okay, I had a bad childhood. That means I'm going to have to suffer the rest of my life. The answer is, of course not. There are ways to get over it. But if you had a tough childhood, you got to work on it. You can't just ignore it. That childhood is going to continue to play a role. If you have been diagnosed as ADHD at a young age, you got to have to do something about that because you can't just ignore it. That ADHD as a child uh, implies a certain biological characteristic that will affect the rest of your life. And then you're going to keep, you know, cheating on your parents, uh, on your, uh, basically on the, uh, let's say on your wife, uh, who's the parent of your child or on, I don't know, your uh, basically a husband. And then you realize, oh my gosh, I'm a terrible parent. Oh, wh what did I do? I I'm ruining my family. So you had to think about those questions early on before you got married and you had to, res you know, resolve that issue. Yeah. Whether it's with your finances, whether it's with all the areas of your life, you want to actually focus on knowing yourself. That's what they say, know thyself. Uh, as uh, basically has uh, been uh, pr uh, basically reported a lot. And I believe in that because uh, that process uh, is going to allow us to make far better decisions about our present as well as the future. Thank you. Thank you as always for my pleasure, man. Fun conversation. I appreciate it. And thank you guys for joining in, tuning in, listening in and leaving comments and reviews on iTunes specifically. That helps us. Uh, we're not trying to be pushy here. We're just trying to uh help get the word out if you liked it you can also help others to you know uh, join in, in the in on the conversation and until a later episode have a good one Bye.